it's like asking the blue sky that's blue to be orange. You want to change it and you can't. And we want to change our kids. We yeah. want them. We want to control them yes. want, or our, or our spouses or the people you know, we want them to behave and act in a certain way so that we can feel okay. Welcome to Alignment Adventures. This is a podcast where we explore what it means to live a fulfilling, aligning, and present life. I'm your host, Lindsay Tanner, and I am so grateful that you are here. Hello, my loves, and welcome back to Alignment Adventures. I am so excited and honored that you are here with me today for another beautiful, enlightening interview with Kim Gross. She is the host of the podcast Masks Off for People Pleasers and Perfectionists, which I know so many of us can relate to either both or one of those titles, or maybe you relate to one of those titles and you don't even know it yet. This conversation is for you. And not only do we touch on that, but we also relate it to something that I'm personally going through, but I feel like all of us can connect to whether you're a parent or not. And that is bringing more consciousness and awareness into your parenting. And like I said, whether you're a parent or not, this can really help you understand your childhood or maybe some things that you picked up in your childhood. And she gives a beautiful formula that she came up with to help you work through some of that stuff that we may have picked up. And what I love most about her story, I mean, so many things, but one of the best things is it's such a beautiful example that you can change the direction of your life at any point. She shares how she really changed her parenting style when her kids were about like 11 and 12. And it just drastically changed her relationship with them and drastically changed her life as well, the trajectory of her work and what she is doing now. And I love all the real life examples she gives. So I hope you find this conversation so useful in your journey. Like I said, whether you're a parent or not, I know this is the work that is going to change the future. Like the power we have as parents, as teachers, or just human beings influencing the people around us, I think we underestimate sometimes. You have so much power in how you're showing up and the work that you do internally, it just shines out and that's what's going to change this world. Now, a few things to keep in mind, always remain open and curious throughout these conversations. Like if something comes up and you're like, oh, that kind of triggers me or I've never thought of it that way. Just like have an open mind because some of this may be very different than the way that you were raised or the way that you think you should be parenting. And also remember that this is a continual process. We're never done. And I know that seems exhausting, but there's just always growth to be had. So don't beat yourself up if you're not like to that point, because there's always new points we can reach. And that is a beautiful part of this journey. So with all of that, I'm so excited to hear this beautiful, powerful conversation that I know I'm going to go back and listen to many, many times as I continue on in my life and my parenting journey. And I just hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did. Kim, thank you so much for coming on Alignment Adventures. I already know this is going to be powerful, powerful conversation. So thank you so much for your energy and your time. You're welcome. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's going to be great. So we'll start off with the usual two. Go ahead and tell us who is Kim Gross. So I am Kim Gross. I am the host 
of the podcast Masks Off for people pleasers and perfectionists. I am a soon-to-be author. I am in the process of writing a book and a speaker as well. So I go and speak to teenagers, college kids, schools, parents, anywhere really that I can take the opportunity to share my message of taking off or removing the masks one layer at a time so that we can all show up as our true selves. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about a mask, what a mask is, is a pattern. It's a persona that we have created, developed, and put on mostly in our childhood to protect ourselves because we learned at a very subconscious, deep level that it was not safe Mm -hmm. to be our true authentic selves. So we would cover up and pretend to be someone that we're not. And for me, it was perfectionism and people pleasing. And that's why my podcast is specifically masks off for people pleasers and perfectionists. Although there are many masks that people wear and we, and I do talk about other masks as well, but I focus in on those. Love that answer so much. And I was telling you earlier, I love the name of that podcast because I think whether we're aware of it or not, so many of us are wearing so many different masks. And I would beg to wonder if a majority of people do fall into those two categories of perfectionism or people pleasing. It usually seems like one or the other we were just talking about, but we'll get into that later, how they connect more than we realize, because I know a lot of people could use help in both of those areas. But before, before we go down those trains, let's talk a little bit about just the message of this podcast, why I created it. What does loving and alignment mean to you? So for me, it's, I would say very similar to what I just said in my intro, it's about alignment for me is about, let me just say, I feel most aligned when I'm in my true self Mm. and when I'm in the present moment, because oftentimes, and it's really hard. This is so much easier said than done yet hard to implement being in the present moment is difficult because most of the time we're either in the past mm. or we're futurizing what if thing, which is really where I spent a majority of my time because I was a very highly anxious, worried, nervous mom slash yeah. person, very much in my parenting though. And so if I'm always what if thing, what if this happens? What if that happens? Oh my God, oh my God, catastrophizing, futurizing. I'm in the present, or if I continue to carry out patterns from my past, because it was familiar for me to carry out old patterns, my past was overlaying or imposing on the present moment. So to be truly in the present moment is when I'm in that space, that sweet spot, that's alignment. And that's when I can really like look out my window and I can really see the blue sky. Yes. I can see the green grass or I can really feel a sunset or I can really feel a connection 
with mm-hmm. my son or my daughter or the moment. So that's alignment for me, living in alignment. Beautifully, beautifully said. And it's so true. Hence why I have these conversations in this platform is being present connects back to all this. So many of the things we suffer from just come back to being present. And it's something I ask myself all the time, like, why is this so hard? Like, honestly, sometimes I just get angry like that it's so hard. And I know it's like <laughs> things beyond, you know, what I I control, what I can control. But it just seems like since we, you know, were born the way we were raised, depending on how you're raised, like we just are taught not to be present. So with that being said, let's connect this back to like finding our true selves. Mm. How? How do we do that? Like, and I know that's a big question to start off with, but it, you know, with people pleasing and perfectionism, which we can get into too, it comes back to like becoming and finding your true self. Where do we start? Okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say something about when I was a child, before I started to wear the masks, I did know how to be in the present moment. We all know how to be in the present moment and we all know how to be our true selves. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because, and I share this so many times, is that I can remember clearly like it was yesterday. I can remember, I could even feel it as I think about it. Mm. Whenever I used to ride my bike down the street and I would start to go really fast and then like let go of the handlebars and like ride without holding on. And just like feeling, having the wind blow through my hair, like just being so alive and so present. Or if I was doing a snow angel and feeling like I was one with the snow or jumping Mm -hmm. in the leaves and just feeling the leaves and smelling the leaves, the smell of fall or just swimming in a lake and feeling the sun, that was being in the present moment. Mm-hmm. And that was being my true self. Or when I was dancing and singing in the living room before I cared what people thought, like just feeling so unabashed. Like I thought I was literally when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, thought that I was going to be a professional singer. Mm-hmm. Now, if you heard me sing, I'm completely toned up. I cannot carry a tune, but At that age, I thought, of course, I'm going to be a professional singer. I used to practice all the time in the living room. Yeah. But then at the age of 11, when I went to go try out for the school play and I tried out for the part of Snow White, who is Mm -hmm. the lead, and remember being told, like, I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the feeling of shame Mm -hmm. of who am I? to think that I could try out for Snow White because I was told you, you can't be Snow White. You can't even sing. Yeah. And then I did it again in middle school. I tried out for a lead role in in the play Grease, the same thing. So every time that I went out to shine my light. Yeah. As brightly as I could, I was met with rejection or no which Mm -hmm. then started to create more of this sense of dimming my light. And now this is going back to what we were talking about before about the interpretations that we attach 
to events that take place in our lives. Yes. And this is what I was saying about a parent that can be so keenly attuned to their child can make such a difference. My mom had no clue how badly I felt about myself when I didn't get Snow White or the other lead. So I just took that and internalized it as I'm bad. Mm. There's something wrong. I'm not good enough. That little girl that used to sing in the living room and dance around happy and joyful, it wasn't okay. That wasn't enough to Mm. be Snow White. And it was only a couple of years later. We're talking about like maybe seven or eight to 10, 10 or 11 years old. Still a baby, really. So when you're so keenly attuned and aware of what's going on in your child's life and you can help to neutralize the situation for them, the interpretations, the way that they're internalizing it, their feelings, like, yes, allow them to feel sad, feel disappointed. But like, honey, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean Mm. you're bad or you're not worthy or you're not good enough. So that's how we lose the connection to our true self. That's just to show, because you asked, how do we get back to it? That's how we start to lose it. And then that continues on and it really gets amplified in teenage and adolescent years because now you have all the peers. Well, it doesn't matter. Even middle school and school age kids can say some really hurtful things. And Mm -hmm. so- so that's when it really starts to yeah. manifest and starts to grow. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it depends on when you have your awakening and you become aware and you find like a coach or someone like me that's talking about the people pleasing and the perfectionism that you start to go inward yeah, and start to do the inner work. And I talk about how imperative that inner healing work is all the time. So good. First of all, thank you for reminding us that we are our true authentic selves from birth. We just forget. We just forget. I find it so interesting how we are born into this world, you know, just being our most loving, connected, free selves. And then, you know, life happens, conditioning happens, whether intentional or not intentional. Then we go about our life and then like people start to, you know, wake up, have that awakening, like you just mentioned later on in life. So here's, here's my next question. Here's where I feel like things are shifting because now we have people stepping into these parenting roles with this awareness so we can kind of just write a different story for our children and they don't have to maybe go through those exact same things that we did. So let's go ahead and go to that topic as parents. Yeah. And even if you're not a parent, this is just so pertainable. It helps you understand your childhood in a completely different way. But especially if you're parents, how do we help our children remember their true selves? Like that's the best way I can word it. And we were talking earlier. It it can be easy for for parents, especially mothers. And I know fathers worry about it too, to worry about these things. And especially I can feel myself like just being in this space, doing this work. I can go down rabbit holes of how do I not like 
condition my child to have all these limiting beliefs, you know, that life's going to happen. So it's more about like giving them the tools and the practices, right? So I'll let you take it away with any, any way yeah. parents, especially parents like me, where we have young children, how can we from the beginning just help them foster that connection and give them the practices they need to come back yeah. to themselves? I, I love that. And I want to just first start off by saying, I so feel you on that. And anyone out there who is wanting to protect their child from having all of those things happen. I, I did it. You know, I could still fall into that place. And right now my kids are 24 and 21. And I, I'll start by saying this. And I was talking to you about Dr. Shafali Sabari. She is a guru on conscious parenting, and I came across her work about 10 or 11 years ago. She was giving a keynote speech at a conference that I was at, and I knew nothing about what she teaches. And the minute that she started to talk, I just cried from the beginning of her speech all the way to the end. Because two things, one, she was speaking to my soul. Two, at the time that my kids were, they were 13 and 10, my relationship with my kids was not where I wanted it to be. It was not good. I was not proud of how I was showing up as a mom. I was repeating generational patterns. I was projecting, I was putting my fears, my anxieties, my worries on them, making them second guess everything and becoming anxious and worried and not trusting that they have an internal compass. And I wasn't trusting that they could know how to listen to that. Mm -hmm. And I was overriding everything, everything that they said or did to the point that they probably still to this day have mom's voice or even dad's voice telling them what to do all the time. So when I met Dr. Shafali and I listened to her, her talk, then I started to read her books. I took all her courses and I learned that the process really was about healing myself. It was about doing my own inner work. So you ask the question, what can we start to do? The first step is you have to be able to be aware of your own patterns. It is, It takes so much awareness and so much work to realize when you are projecting your crap on your kids. You might yeah. just think that it's... Like it might seem like it's the way you're supposed to parent and the way you're supposed to be. And some of the things that may come out of your mouth <laughs> that you say to your kids, you might think you have all the right in the world to say it, or you're like, this is good parenting. This is what I need to do to, to for my kids. When it could just be all your own inner crap mm. that you're just projecting out. So it's really about being so attuned and aware of what's going on inside of you first and foremost. When you are feeling triggered by your child, it's about turning inward first. Yes. Rather than going out 
even at a, even at a year and a half, two years old. Yes. So for example, I'm going to tie in a little bit of perfectionism right now. Yes. Okay. So I was one of those people that had to have my house very neat and very orderly. If it was a mess and cluttered, that made me uncomfortable. It made me anxious. And when you have little toddlers running around and making a mess, they could care less how how messy it is. They'll find that toy that they want. They'll just go through all this stuff. They don't care. We care. And then we start putting that on, on them, thinking that we're making them responsible to pick up their toys and that you know they have to do things such a certain way. And then if they don't pick up their toys, well, now you're a bad boy or you can't play with this toy because you didn't. I mean, really and honestly, at two years old, I mean, it's okay. Like, you know, I understand like just trying to teach a little bit, but sometimes we can take it so far. Yeah. Or, okay, here's, let me stay with that example. Going back to what I said, if you feel triggered by the mess and then you're putting it on your kid, that's when you can start to create that kind of pattern and you're starting to mess your kid up a little bit because you're making something about yourself and you're imposing it or projecting it onto the child, thinking you're being a good parent by teaching them how to be responsible and clean up after themselves. Yes. Like that takes intense self-awareness. Yeah. That's what I love what you said about like parenting is such, it's the biggest like, confronter of doing personal work and spiritual work you're just forced to like look at all that I mean some people don't and that's okay everyone's on their own path but like if you choose to look at this stuff so much can come up and you don't even realize totally. you're you're giving them that story of oh your house needs to be clean all the time no matter what <laughs> absolutely and so for those first like 13 years because I said that I didn't meet Dr. Shafali until they were 10 and 13. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have the awareness. I just thought the way that I was being was the way I was supposed to be. I just didn't know any differently. So when I was making them do certain things, oh, here's another example. I remember there was a time, I think my son was three years old and he was sitting at the kitchen table. We were having dinner and it was in one of those little booster seats and he wouldn't eat his broccoli or something like that. And I said to him that, um, and he wanted to get down and play. And I think I was watching Dr. Phil at the time or something. And Dr. Phil was saying like someone or an expert said, you know, you need to make sure that they eat their, all their food and you don't let them get away with it. I had my son sit there for two hours mm. at the kitchen table. And he still never ate the broccoli. And then finally, after he sat there tortured for two hours, I finally gave in and then let him go. What did he learn from that? And that Mm. was like all about me. You know what I mean? That was me feeling like I had to do the right things. Again, perfectionism, because I had heard something on Dr. Phil that, you know, says a good parent will make sure that their children eat all their vegetables or something like that. Yeah. And that was my need to have to be the perfect mom. And I projected that onto him rather than like, so you said, what can we do differently? So that's step one is being super aware of when it's our stuff and healing our own stuff and not projecting. But even still, let's just say you've done 
a boatload of work on yourself and you are really aware and your kid is still doing certain things. They're acting out in a certain way or behaving in a, or having a meltdown or big emotions. The one, one of the things that I learned from Dr. Shafali that I think is brilliant. And I remember to this day is to never take the behavior at face value. It's always go underneath, underneath, underneath. What is really going on for your child that they're acting out in this way? What's the real reason your teenager is slamming the door? What is the real reason that my son didn't want to eat the broccoli? He could have had some kind of um, texture, tactile kind of aversion or something, or who knows? You know what I mean? And not that he could have verbalized that, but the, the key is that we become so attuned again, almost like investigators to really get to the root of what is going on in the situation and then try to come at it from that way. And also when they're having big emotions, that's another like pitfall that parents will fall into is, and I was definitely this way too. I was, I did this as well. I could not handle or tolerate when my kids were really upset or hurting. And so I would want to fix it. And my mom did it with me. If I was upset or we got into a conflict, oh, do you want an ice cream? Do you want some cookies? Let's go get ice cream together. You know, fix it with food. Like what does food have to do (laughs) with it? Instead of being able to be present right? We started the conversation with presence to be really, really, really present with your child. I see that you're really scared right now. I see that you're really sad. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about it. What's making you, especially if they're little, you know, get down to their level, get down on your knee, sit down on the floor, get down to them, look at them in the eye, in the eyes. What's making you so sad? I see you're really angry right now. What are you angry about? And let them either feel it if they're able to articulate it, talk about it, and let them have the space to ride the wave of that emotion that mostly lasts 90 seconds. If we really watch little kids, they're great examples of how they can be so upset one minute and five minutes later, they're you're like, oh my God, what? <laughs> you moved through that so fast. So true. So many things I want to say. First of all, thank you for sharing your stories and like being open and honest about that because I think it shows no matter where you're at in this journey, this work is powerful and you can yeah. you can turn around a ship at any point. Even yes. if your kids are grown, I feel like this is powerful work for you to like reflect 100%. back on. And be like, okay, I didn't show up this way. I did show up that way. Second thing, wow, just like a big proponent of parenting, which I know this, but you know, I I can already see myself getting caught up in the things. It's just learning how to deal with your emotions. And how do we expect them to handle big emotions when we can't even handle our big emotions? So that's why doing, I hate to call it work, but it is to a degree, you know, work sometimes of working on ourselves and figuring out how we can, you know, feel our feelings, like like you said, reparenting ourselves to feel our feelings 
so we can show them how to feel their feelings. So beautiful. What a beautiful process it is to look at parenting this way. Yeah. And that's why I'm so grateful to Dr. Shafali's work mm-hmm. because I shared with you beforehand that I don't know for sure that I would have the relationship that I have with my young adult children now. They're again, mm-hmm. they're 24 and 21. Had I not done the work and I was also able to really take responsibility for my part in anything that took place. And when I started my podcast a few years ago, they understood what I meant by masks and taking the mask Mm -hmm. off. And so if we, or if I showed up, if I was showing up with them, with a mask on people pleasing perfectionism or anything, they would say, mom, mom, take your mask off, Mm. take your mask off. And that was just like a way of them letting me know, okay, this doesn't feel right. This feels like it's more you mom than anything. And I would pause and I would take a step back and reflect on it. And 95% of the time they were right. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever I was coming to them with was in big part about me. I had to take responsibility and ownership for my part. And a lot of the times it was just me being very anxious and uncomfortable with whatever was going on for them and not trusting them that they could Mm. figure it out. Children are such beautiful teachers. Like they're teaching us and like just mirrors back to us. It's so cool. And like you said, most of the time it's just us like learning all that stuff you know, going on with in our own subconscious that we didn't even realize is there. So how, okay, once we're aware and we, you know, start to be present with our children and let them feel their feelings, what are some other things that might come up that are going to help us along this path of just like keeping that connection, not only to ourselves, but to them? So I was starting to describe a little bit my five-step power pathway that I created. I call it the five-step power pathway. And the first thing that we talked about for the letter P, it's an acronym, is patterns. So I say to be really, really aware of your patterns. So awareness is key. You can't change anything unless you're first aware. Mm. Then the second part, the second letter is O, ownership, which is what I was just referring to a minute ago, is about that ownership part. It's about owning what my part is. It's taking responsibility for doing the work, for changing what I can change. Because at the end of the day, we cannot change or control people, places, and things. (laughs) We can only change or control ourselves. So if someone is showing up as a jerk to you, they might be displaying really poor behaviors towards you, but you have a choice in terms of how you respond and what you do about how that person is coming at you or treating you or talking to you. You can't change them. It's like, And this is something else that Dr. Shafali would say all the time. It's like asking the blue sky that's blue to be orange. You want to change it and you can't. 
and we want to change our kids. We yeah. want them, we want to control them yes. want, or our, or our spouses or the people, you know, we want them to behave and act in a certain way so that we can feel okay. Yes. <laughs> so true. It makes me think of like so many instances. I felt this too. Like when we start to play with other, you know, kids and parents, I'm like, I don't want him to do this. So we come off as like, you know, these uncontrollable, like he's an uncontrollable father, which he's a, he's a one and a half year old boy. He has lots of energy, but it's so true. We react because of the way that we think we're going to be perceived when they're just like these tiny humans or grown humans, they're their own human. They're their own being with their own wants and needs. We can't, nor should we control them. And I feel like that's like the traditional parenting that a lot of us have fallen into is just that control. Well, because I said so. That's that's the common thing I hear from a lot of people in my, because I said so. Like what what does that teach the child? It's (laughs) my way or the highway. Yeah. And what you're talking about right there ties back to what we were saying earlier, because when we start to say, because I said so, it's my way or the highway, and we control them, we cut them off from their true selves. Mm -hmm. This is going back to the true self. And this is Gabor Mate's work where he says that what trauma is, is every single time that we abandon ourselves to stay attached to another. And as little children, we have no choice but to stay attached to our caregivers because if we're not attached to them, then there's a really good chance we might not survive. So we are going to abandon, self-abandon our true nature every single time to do what our caregivers tell us to do, to stay in attachment. Thus, the people pleaser. Yes. Right? That's why you please is because you fear rejection. You fear abandonment. You fear your caregiver or the other being disappointed or displeased because as a little kid, disappointment and disapproval can mean, again, that separation. And it can be a threat in a little child's mind to their survival. So they're going to do whatever they have to do to stay attached. And if they do defy and they do rebel, then there's just oftentimes just more and more consequences for the rebelling and the defying. And even still, there's just this cutting off from the true self. So going back to the power pathway. So O is owning, right? O is owning. And then the W and the E of power is the willingness to feel in order to heal. So you have to, and that's just doing that healing work. That's just healing the wounds that we have so that we can come to others from a clean place. So if we have this wound that's infected from childhood and we just kind of keep putting band-aids over it, but there's, it keeps pussing and it's infected and it's like, oh, it just isn't going away. It just keeps reopening over and over and over again. Every time we're triggered, the wound reopens. What we have to do is clean the pus out. We have to get the infection out so that it can heal and be a clean wound at that part. 
heal or scar over, but we, we don't do that until we do the inner work and actually heal. So that's either working with a therapist or a coach or, you know, I teach when I teach the five step power pathway, when that comes up that trigger and you can feel the wound, then it's about taking your adult self and it's going in and reparenting that little child and saying, I'm here for you. I've got your back. It's okay. I'm, there's no, you know, I'm here. You don't have to be upset. And it's letting your inner child know that he or she is safe. It's about creating safety for the inner child and that the adult is in the room. The adult is driving the bus. And then when you're in that adult place, you can be way more rational. It's just like going from the limbic brain back into the prefrontal cortex. Yeah. But in order to really, again, not go back to the patterns or the familiar self over and over and over again, it is about healing that wound first and foremost. And then, so the E is embracing the inner child, which they go hand in hand. It's just doing the, um, going from the head down into the heart and doing the feeling work. And then finally, um, R is radical responsibility. And that's just showing up in a different way. It's setting boundaries. It's different kind of communication. It's coming from, and, and with setting boundaries, you can set a boundary with your children. They need to have like natural consequences. There are natural consequences for us. If we drive 85 in a 65 and we get caught, there's a good chance we're going to get a ticket. That's a consequence. So, you know, there is one time I'll tell you, there's one example. My daughter was probably 10 years old and she was going to go skiing and I was driving her to a mountain that was about 45 minutes away. And this was before I was aware of the work. So I was not a conscious parent in this situation. We got all the way to the mountain and she realized she didn't have ski pants and she only had on like just her sweatpants. And I just, again, like went off. Yeah. And how could you, you know, just set all the things to shame her? How could you, what is wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. Right. She didn't need to have all that for me. Number one, she was already going to suffer a consequence by skiing and just sweatpants and being cold. Yeah. There's a natural consequence to either a, she doesn't ski and we go back home because I wasn't going to go back 45 minutes and then back up again. So she would miss the chance to ski or she's going to go out there and be cold, but she doesn't need me to add on the layers of shame. And mm. on top of it, how many times as an adult have we forgotten something like walked out the door, where's our keys left without the grocery list or whatever, because you get caught up in a, in a thought and you get distracted and you forget. For sure. So we as adults can do it, but it wasn't okay for her to do it as a 10 year old. And I Mm. shamed her right into it. So when you're doing all of this kind of healing inner work, then you, then you start to show up differently. You realize like, that's not okay to shame her like that. And you have, a, you just let the natural consequences take place and set the boundaries. So powerful. And I think that's like criticism that some of this work gets. It's like, oh, if you raise your children this way, they're never going to learn 
like you said, consequences are they're going to be spoiled, which is totally not true. It's like just having that respect for them as a human. Like you wouldn't talk to, who else would you talk to that way? You know, like someone that you really loved. And for some reason, since we're in this role as parents, we feel like we take on all this extra burden and responsibility that they have to, you know, if I don't punish them or whatever, they're not going to show up as a responsible adult. And really it's like the complete opposite. It's the complete opposite. And there's such mirrors too. I noticed, you know, sometimes when he does things, I'm like, oh, do, do I do that? Like, you know, when we do react in that moment and like yell or shame or whatever, then that's how they're going to react in a situation like that. <laughs> totally. They're learning from us. So like yeah. now when I see them in their twenties getting reactive or anxious in a situation like, like nervous, like, Oh, you know, what, what are we going to do or something isn't going right? How do I handle this situation? They're mimicking and mirroring how I showed up. Mm -hmm. They learned it from me because I used to do that. If say, for example, I remember one time when they were teenagers, we were at Disney world and we were leaving and I was trying to find my car. And I don't know if you've ever been, but there's like a gazillion cars in the parking lot. Yeah. And it was late and it was dark and I couldn't find it. And I couldn't remember where I parked. And I started to go into panic mode and like really catastrophizing. Oh my God, we're going to be stuck in this parking lot overnight, which is so far from the truth. Cause eventually, you know, I could go ask someone, but just the way that I showed up with pure anxiety and panic when it really didn't warrant that type of reaction. And they would see that kind of behavior from me a lot. And I'm not saying that to put myself down or beat myself up. It just was what it was. That's how my mom was. And it was a generational pattern. I watched my mom be that way and I mirrored that. And then they saw me do it. And now, you know, they can tend to do it. So the difference is because you asked the question in the beginning was how, like, can't we protect them? Yes. (laughs) Can't we shield them from this? And I don't know. I wish that we could, you know, I, I don't know for sure. What I know is what you said is more and more often, more and more parents are becoming conscious. They're wanting to do it differently. There are more and more people in the world today that are on the path to doing this work. Yes. And that just means they're going to show up differently. The paradigm is shifting. And that is so promising and so hopeful that things are really, really beginning to change. And so in the future, at some point, can a child be more shielded, more protected? Perhaps. Definitely, they will have less scarring if you are more aware. But the key is, is cultivating that practice of really communicating with your child and being so aware of what they're going through, what they're feeling and allowing them to just be themselves. And when they're not, when they're starting to wear a mask, having conversations as they get older, if they're in school and you see them perfecting or pleasing geez, I noticed that you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to get like straight A's or a lot of pressure on yourself to do blah, blah, blah. What's going on underneath that? What's going, you know, having these really open conversations is going to alleviate 
a lot of that, you know, a lot of that mask wearing. How beautiful now that your kids that are in their 20s, gosh, I think back to my 20s, like, you know, starting to discover some of this stuff, they have this resource now, this mother who is, you know, tapped into all these things. I just think that is so cool. So let's go back to like reparenting ourselves, which I love this like five formula thing, like the five point formula thing. We need our minds love steps of like do this, this, and this. People that are maybe in this situation, they're realizing, okay, I am showing up like this, whether they're a parent or not. Like I'm a people pleaser. I am perfectionist. I'm getting triggered by things and taking it out on other people. It starts with awareness. So like how, what can we do from that point of, because I feel like sometimes people are aware and then they just get overwhelmed and don't do anything about it. You know, where can we go from there? Okay. So let's talk about people pleasing and perfectionism just as an example, a starting point. So if you already are aware that you have those tendencies, then it's about catching it and pausing every time. If you don't even know, I mean, people will maybe become more familiar because they're listening to this podcast or they listen to mine or they can go to my website or they can look up and see, you know, what are the what are the signs or symptoms of a people pleaser or a perfectionist? They may not call themselves that. They might just identify with the feeling of like feeling totally exhausted at the end of the day because they spent the whole day putting other people's needs ahead of their own, that they don't know how to take care of themselves or there's such internal pressure to do things a certain way and they might have a to-do list and they're trying to check everything off. And at the end of the day, if they didn't get all the things done, they feel like they failed in some way, shape or form. So they might be able to identify with the feelings and not know that those are people-pleasing or perfectionistic tendencies. So that's like one part of the beginning of awareness is to just even be able to see, okay, this is a pattern that is showing up for me over and over. And educating oneself, whether it's listening to podcasts or reading books or however, you know, you have to start, you have to kind of sense that something doesn't feel right inside of you, right? It starts with that, like, oh God, I just don't feel like my life is meaningful. I don't feel good about myself. I feel anxious. I feel lonely. I feel depressed. I don't feel like I'm supposed to, I used to say this, I used to say that it felt like I had a low grade fever of numbness. Mm. I just felt mm. numb, mm. which is the opposite of feeling alive, which is the, cause I all, I also say this all the time. It'll be in my book and on my podcast. I say it is that I teach people how to go from prison to paradise So the prison is the prison of the mind. It's the people, please. It's the patterns to paradise. And paradise is a lot of what we talked about earlier is how, how to be in alignment, how to be attuned, how to be in the present moment, how to be Mm. our true selves, because then Mm. now you can see that the sky is blue. But before I never noticed the sky (laughs) because I had this like low level of numbness going on. Yeah. And I was always in my head. So that's another way. If you're always in your mind yes, and you're not in your body, you're not in your heart, that's 
a key. That's a warning that something is off. So then it's about educating. Well, why? And then trying to figure it out. So now you're noticing you're aware something isn't right. Life doesn't feel right for you. You don't feel joyful. And then it's like, okay, then you start to see that it's these patterns. It's coming from childhood. So there's this whole awareness education piece. Once you get to that point on the path and you know now, like, okay, these are my patterns. Then it's about noticing when they continue to come up because they will. They're going to come up over and over and over again until you heal that part, until you learn that lesson. And it'll become like less and less and less and less. So my process, the five-step power pathway is a repeatable process that you can use daily. I use it still to this day. Just because I've done this much work and I'm here doesn't mean that I'm at the, I'm on the top of the mountain and I'll be there forever. I'm still going to go in my Valley. I'm still going to have more lessons to learn and I'm going to have a tool now, my five-step power pathway. So then it's about pausing. Okay. Oh, there's my pattern. And it's about this time. It's now like trying to pause with gentleness Mm. and grace rather than, oh my God, there it goes again. Like there I am. I'm such a people pleaser. What is wrong with me? I'm such a perfectionist. I stink or I suck or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. Now I know that this pattern is coming from a childhood wound. It's coming from my past and it's here to tell me something else. I need to learn something more. So there's the awareness piece. It's just like now, then it's like, okay, so now I have to take responsibility to do something about it because I can't change people, places, and things. I can only change me. It's my responsibility to heal. No one's going to come and do it. There is no knight in shining armor. There is no fairy godmother that's going to do the work for you and wave the magic wand and make you all better. You have to do the healing work. And that's the only way that a caterpillar becomes a butterfly is to struggle through the chrysalis and to grow. So you have to do it. That's the ownership part. And then we already talked about like the W and E and that could be if someone is listening and they're at the beginning of the journey to healing, that one can be hard to do solo because even for me, that was very, that was not accessible to me in the beginning to do it on my own. I needed to have someone that was in a place that they could hold the space for me, that they could help me to go in and hold my inner child and to heal the wounds to take me there because sometimes I couldn't get myself there sometimes. So in the beginning, I would recommend whether it's a therapist or a coach or someone to help guide you through that part. And then once you start to heal, it's just about learning new behaviors and being gentle with yourself Yes. having self-compassion because it's not a one and done. It's, no. it's a process. <laughs> I think that's where I am. Sometimes I'm like, ah, you know, you, our minds want to get there. They want to be done. They yeah. want to be like, oh, we've, we fixed all the problems, but you're so right. That's why this process is so beautiful. You can just keep using it again and again as different things come up. But this is the stuff, like this is the stuff that's going to, drastically change the way our world functions as we're showing up, not only as parents, but for ourselves. I think that's the beauty of this. It doesn't matter 
where you're at, if you're a parent or not, if you have young kids or old kids, you can use this process to reparent yourself and show up as the best version of you, which is what we need. Like it's yeah. easy to get, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of like the world has a lot of crazy stuff going on, but that yeah. this is the stuff that's going to help all of that. A hundred percent. Because you know what the thing is, when I started to really move along in my healing process, what I started to decide for myself and know that needed to be different was, or when it really shifted was when I started to say and believe and know that I was no longer willing to be at war with myself, no longer willing to be at war with myself, which means I'm no longer willing to be hard on myself, to feel like I'm unworthy, to feel like I'm not enough, to be critical, to be judgmental. Because we all, you know, when we're in that space, have that inner critic that can be so hard and so mean and nasty. And when we are ready to stop being at war with ourselves and we can have more self-compassion and let go of the judgment and the criticism for the self, that's when we'll stop feeling the need to be at war with others. Thus, it'll ripple out into the world and hopefully have less and less of what's going on in the world. It really does start with us. It's so interesting how like our internal worlds really are the mirror of the, of everything else. It's so true. Our mirrors to like, everything's just a mirror. It's so beautiful and like mind blowing at the same time. (laughs) Uh, Well, Kim, thank you for sharing all of this. Like, thank you. This is so powerful. I want to force everyone to listen to this, but I know that's not (laughs) what it's about and that's not going to be useful. (laughs) You know, people come to this when it's time. People come to this when they're ready for it. I just have a few remaining questions for you because I want to respect your time. People are are resonating with this work. They want to show up differently. They want to step into their truest self. They want to get back to that point. How do they work with you? How do they how do they implement this five-step process that you've been talking about? Yeah, thank you for asking that. So the easiest place to find everything is on my website, <clears throat> which is kimgrosscoaching.com. On there, I have a quiz. There's if you want to know if you're a people pleaser or perfectionist, there is a quiz that you can take. I also have right on the front page of my website, I have the graphic of the five-step power pathway. I have the symptoms of the perfectionist as well as the people pleaser. I have the links to my podcast. I have the link to where I am on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok, Facebook, all the places. So it's all in that one place. My email address is there. There's a link to book a call if someone just wants to just chat with me for a little bit and see if we are a good fit or, you know, what I have to um, offer is for them. And so, yeah, it's my website is the best place. Love it. All the things like you said, and we were chatting about this earlier. I just want to mention, even if you don't think you're one of those things, like just go and explore, because I know for me personally, perfectionism has shown up in sneaky ways. Like I've never thought I was like a type A person or detail oriented person. I'm not, but perfectionism will show up as self-sabotage or, 
you know, procrastinating, like we talked about. So just be willing to explore those areas. <laughs> I agree. Definitely so many nuances to both of those tendencies that people, re- I've had so many people say, I really don't think I'm a perfectionist. And then as we chat and talk, they're like, maybe I am a perfectionist. <laughs> So I'm saying like, I don't want to label everyone that way, but I think everyone, I know everyone could relate to either one of those two. So thank you for putting that work together for us. Now, these last two questions are just kind of fun ones again, to help us like know you on a deeper level, but what is one of your favorite alignment activities? I call them like activities you just love to do because space and time just float away. Hmm. Honestly, I think it's just when I'm hanging out and just chilling with my daughter mm-hmm. or my son and just just having good conversation. We sometimes like down here in Florida, we'll just go in the hot tub and just sit and have a really heartfelt, connected conversation. And I just lose track of time. I'm just in the moment. Yes. So true. Like really any alignment activity is just when you're present. And you said like you being present with your children, being present with our children, that's like the best, the best gift we can give them. It is a hundred percent. It makes me excited too. I'm being present with Arlo, but when we can't have those deep conversations, you might be like, mom, I'm sick of having these conversations or maybe not. We'll see. (laughs) All right. My last question for you, if you had to give one piece of advice to anyone on this journey, and I know that can be kind of hard because we went a lot of different areas, but is there one thing that comes to mind for you? One piece of advice that you could give someone? I think the most important piece of advice is the message that I'm trying to spread through my podcast and speaking and doing all the teaching is that the number one regret that people have when they're on their deathbed is that they didn't show up as their true self. So my piece of advice is that you do what you can to remove your masks so that you can be your true self so that when the day comes for you and you are on your deathbed, that you don't look back on your life and say, God, why didn't I show up as my true self? So powerful. So good. Take the mask off. Yes. (laughs) I know every single one of us can relate to that. So Kim, thank you so much for coming on. This is, I know, going to be one of my favorite episodes. And I'll probably go back and listen to like every year as I continue on my parenting journey. So thank you. (laughs) You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. Kim, thank you so much for coming on. So many beautiful takeaways from this conversation. I know that like I said in the podcast and before the interview, I'm going to be coming back to this one and re-listening a lot because I'm going to need these reminders as I continue on through life and as I continue on as a parent. And it's not about doing this perfectly, like she said, and being aware of where that perfectionism even is rooted from, but just, you know, trying our best to show up as the best version of ourselves for the people around us and especially our children. So if you're interested in connecting with Kim, you can go to her website, like she said, kimgrosscoaching.com, or you can find her podcast, Masks Off for People Pleasers and Perfectionists. It's on all 
podcast platforms, or you can connect with her on Instagram at Masks Off Community. And I will link all of that in the show notes. Please share any takeaways you have with both of us on Instagram. You can screenshot this episode and tag us. My handle is at Lindsay with an A, M as in Michelle Tanner. If you are new here and it feels aligned, please hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes pretty much every week. We're dabbling in a new cadence, but we're always talking about what it means to live an aligning, fulfilling, and present life from all angles. And I'm just so honored to have you on this journey with me. Also, if you haven't yet, it takes two seconds and helps the podcast so much. Go and rate and review the podcast on Apple iTunes or on Spotify. I'm sending you so much love and gratitude every time that you do that or when you share the podcast with someone else that you think needs to hear this message, maybe another parent in your life or a friend that is going through some hard times with parenting. I mean, I know I lean on the people around me a lot in this parenting journey. So share this with anyone that you think needs to hear this message. And of course, as always, I'm sending you so much love, all the highest vibes, and I will see you in the next episode of Alignment Adventures.